First Peter chapter four this evening. First Peter chapter four. I'm going to look at one verse of scripture, verse ten. In just a moment, a man one time was lamenting. He's just like, ah, oh, man, if I had more money, I'd, I'd give it to God. I'd, I'd do something better than that. I just need enough to support my family and myself. The same man said around the same time, if I had any extra time, and I'd give it to God. Every minute is taken up with my job, my family, my clubs, and the what-have-yous of life. Every single minute. The same man said, if I had any talent, I'd give it to God. If I could sing with a wonderful voice, but my voice is not so good. I don't really have any special skills. I'm not able to lead a group. I'm not clever or quick. But if I was, I'd, I'd give it to God. And so God one day touched this man. And he gave him more money. He gave him glorious talents. He gave him more time. And then God waited and waited and waited. And after a while, God kind of gave up, shrugged his shoulders, and took back, the man, uh, took back from the man the money and the time and the glorious talents he had given him. And while this was happening, the man sighed. And he said, oh, if I only had that money back, I'd give it to God. If I only had that time back, I'd give it to God. If I only had that talent back, I would let God. God said, shut up. We're very good at talking about what we don't have. We're very good at looking and saying, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. And if I had that, of course, I would do it. But, you know, I don't. And so we're very talented at looking at what we don't have. And thinking, well, if I had it, then I would give it. But in our text we're going to read, Peter makes it in in a statement that we all have giftings and talents that God has given us. And rather than talking about what we don't have, the question is, what are you doing with what you do have? One verse of Scripture, 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, I am not of the impression that everyone is totally gifted. There are certain individuals that they just do everything well. I've met some of these. Uh, they play instruments well. They can speak well. They can, you know, they're just, they just can sing well. They're, you know, they're gifted individuals. There's no doubt that people like that are out there. But what Peter is talking about here is that God gives us gifts. There's, each one of us has a value. Each one of us has a, a an ability that God has gifted into us that we need to Use and the purposes of God and for the management of our life. The word in the King James and in the New King James and many other versions is actually that we are stewards of the gift 
of God. The word steward literally is a manager. It's literally someone who would be the manager of either a business or household affairs. Stewardship, we know, is a word that we use uh, for those who take care of things, that they would be uh, 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 responsible and be able to make these things work the way they should be. This could be true in areas like money, that we all have some measure of money. Many of us will complain we don't have enough money. I get that. There's too much month left at the end of the money. We all have it. But how do we manage the money that we have? Are we paying our bills and taking care, paying our tithe, our taxes, our electric bill, whatever it might be? Sometimes in that, we need to learn just responsibilities like that nasty word that people really hate called a budget. There's the reality of how we handle One thing can affect another. Jesus said how you handle your money can affect what God can give you for responsibility. He said in Luke 10, verse 11, If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? That if we're not being responsible, and this is not just giving to God, this is paying your bills. Having the obligation of what you need to be doing in life. This could also go into time. Time and money. You know, I, I'll make a joke always and people will say, uh, I'll be talking to people and i say, you know, if I had more time and I had more money, I'd do more things. Right? We all know that because they're both limited. Especially time. Time can be very constrictive. And so in... That, another area of necessarily budget or stewardship, is time. You have to make time for uh, the things that need to be done. You have to, not only like I ministered this morning, pursue like promises that need to be done, but you, you also need to budget even in relaxation time. You know, in the Ten Commandments is the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, we're not under the law. I don't believe that we need to take you know, the laws concerning the Sabbath. You can't light a candle or any flame and all of this kind of crazy stuff. Some uh, I've known uh, some uh, one Jew, my friend lived above. They were very orthodox. Uh, and they would leave their stove on for the entire Sabbath because it was a gas stove and they can't light a flame. So they just leave it on. And so, all of these, that's not what we're obligated to, but there's times of relaxation, there's times of doing things that we need to do. And sometimes we find that, you know what, what we want to do can sometimes trump over what we need to do. 1 Corinthians 6.12, for you say I'm not allowed, uh, you say I am allowed to do anything, but everything is not for your good. Even those things I'm allowed to do, I'm, I must not become a slave to anything. Paul is writing, this was a Corinthian saying, I can do it, I, I am allowed, I'm allowed. He says, well, that's fine, but what about the things that aren't good for you? And so in life, we have to understand that there are responsibilities. And this is what Peter is writing about, he says, in life, we all have these responsibilities. 
That's going to be to get up. That's going to be to take care of people we, you know, we love. That's going to be uh, financial to pay our bills and obligations. That's going to be all of these kinds of things in life because stewardship is critical for our future. There, Jesus tells a parable in Luke 16, and it's about the unfaithful steward. And he he's at his job, but what's very interesting about that is that he didn't take his responsibilities seriously. The Bible tells us that there was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. And one day, a report came to the manager that he was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, what is this that I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, what now? My boss has fired me. I don't have enough strength to dig ditches and I'm too too proud to beg. I know what I'll do. He says, I'll go to my friends who have plenty where they're home. So he invited each person who owed his employer money to come to his house and and had a discussion with them. The first one said, he said, how much do you owe? And the man said, I owe 800 gallons of olive oil. He told the manager, write the bill quickly and say it's 400. How much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. A thousand bushels of wheat. He replied... Take the bill and write 800 bushels. And the rich man actually admired the dishonest, the, uh, the dishonest radical steward for being so shrewd. Jesus goes on to say, It is the true that the children of this world can be more shrewd in the dealings with the world around them than the children of light. But he's not being a good steward. He's sacrificing his future Jesus admires him because he's trying to manipulate and, and do that, being getting in there to make sure that his future is secure. But Jesus makes the point that this man is finished because he's not a good steward. God is watching not only what you do in church, he's watching what you do all the time. It's not just what you do with the 10% of the tithe. It's how you handle the other 90% as well. God is always watching how we're being a student steward. And connected greatly to this is faithfulness. Peter tells us in our text, use them well. Use them well. If God had you give an account, what, you know, what's going on? How are you doing with these? Are you doing what needs to be done? We know there's another parable of the talents where Jesus says the master gives the first one five, the next one two, the next one one. Those two older, the, the five and the two, they go out, invest them, they make more. But the one who comes back with the one says, I hid it. You're a hard man. And he's rejected from his future. See, it is amazing how the little things of life 
the little things of life are important to God. And that He's watching your job. Colossians chapter 3 tells us that don't work to be eye-pleasers of man. Work as if Jesus Christ Himself was your boss. That way, when you are rewarded openly, people will know it's because of what God did through you. Faithfulness and stewardship are linked over and over in the Bible. Long-term, years. God watches. God observes. There are times where I've seen people that all of a sudden it's like, man, the, the rug gets pulled out from under them and you realize that they've been just playing along for years. Not really doing what they needed to do, just faking it till they make it. Because the reward of stewardship is all through the Bible. God rewards those who are faithful to Him. Luke 12, 42, And the Lord replied, Faithful, a faithful and sensible servant is the one who came to his master, can be given a responsibility of managing his household and his servants and feeding them. On the parable of the talents, the master was full of praise, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's rejoice together. Our text says that these gifts come from God. God will give you wisdom. God can give you favor. God can give you talents. And how you use them for His glory. God will honor you. And He will bless you if you're faithful with them. It is Adam Clark who wrote of that. He said, wherever the gifts or endowments any man or woman possesses, they are properly speaking of not his own. They are the Lord's properties. And to the employment in the work and the promotion of the glory of God. There's many different giftings and blessings that people can have that God wants to use in your life. So the question then begins to be brought out is, are you faithful with what God has given you? Let's not talk about what He hasn't given you. Well, if I was this and that, you know. But what about what He has given you? Stewardship can be only seen over the long haul, not over the short term. That it takes sometimes months and years because a few days... Anybody can be good for a few days. For a short period of time, anybody can be good. But what about the long term? The Bible tells us that there's different kinds of gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's the gifts of miracles and workings and healings. But then also there's the gifts of administration and wisdom and help. Then there's also the gifts of offices that God would put in the church. 
I thought about this sermon and what helped put it together is I actually received a card. There's a precious, precious sister in the Prescott Church. Her name is Ellie Lazock. Ellie Lazock is an older saint. She lives alone. Her daughter is in the ministry and a wonderful, wonderful woman. But Ellie wrote us a card. And it's this card that, you know, it's written on all sides. And it's like, you know, she's trying to fit a lot on there. She is a major encourager. She lives on a very limited pension. She is not somebody you'll hear her name mentioned at the conference for helping out. She's not a kind of woman that you're going to go, man, you just have to meet this one. She's quiet. She's shy. When we were, when I had the privilege of being on staff there, I got to know her a bit and such, very humble, not very wealthy, but liberal with what she has. And when I got this card, she feels, she sends these cards out to all sorts of pastors, all sorts of missionaries, whatever. We, this is her minute. She's faithful with that. She has the gift of encouragement. I can tell you, just when I saw the card itself, I hadn't even opened it yet. I went, I feel better already. Right? Open it up. She's, oh, just sweet words. Wonderful, wonderful words. Because that's what she can do. And she's faithful with it. She's very encouraging with it. It's simple. But God could use you in the simple. I can imagine a pioneer pastor who's struggling and, you know, maybe they had a good attendance on Sunday morning. I've been there. And nobody show up Sunday night and you're going, well, honey, what do you want to do? (laughs) I've been there. I know. And to get an encouragement note like that. Courage me is when I go back to Prescott, when I go back to Cape Cod and to see some of the same people faithfully serving in some of the same places they've been serving for years. That's an amazing thing to see. Time sometimes causes people to have to move on. Recently, the couple that's been doing children's church since, let's see, I think Moses went through the Red Sea, Pastor Mitchell went to Prescott, they started children's church. Anyway, so, you know, been doing it forever. They recently passed it on to another couple. His son is very heavily involved. It, it just, it was time. But to see... Just different people doing what they need to do and have done it for years. That's faithful stewardship. That's what Peter is talking about. He says, use this for the kingdom of God. David Livingston was a Scottish man who went to Africa 
to modern-day Namibia. And he began to preach the gospel there. He began to tell people about Jesus. When he died, of course, if you don't know the story, they shipped his body back to Scotland, but they cut his heart out and buried it in Africa. He said, because his heart is truly in Africa. I had the privilege of preaching in Edinburgh and going to his apartment, and they've turned it into a a uh, museum now and some of his books and such. And they have a statue of him in a very famous time where a lion actually chased him up a tree. And they have that as a statue. He wrote these words. He said, I place no value on anything I may have or I may possess except for the realization of the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the interests of the kingdom of God, it shall be given away or kept. Only the things that I, I'm giving or keeping will be, will be promoted for the glory of him who I owe all my hopes in all time and eternity. He says, you know what? This is for God. Now, I might, you might not think when you're going to work tomorrow, this is for God. You might not think when you're paying your T-Mobile, Verizon, or, or AT&T bill, this is for God. But it is. Because God is watching. God is looking. God is interested in our lives. The glorious part here is that Peter tells us is that God gives us. It's actually, he doesn't use the word just grace. He uses literally the word manifold grace or multiple graces. God has multiple graces on our lives. He saved us. We were sinners who were not worthy to be saved and he saved us. He uses that thought though that God also gives us talents that we don't deserve. He gives us abilities that we don't deserve. And we should use them for his kingdom. Use them well to serve one another. This is how Peter ends it here. And I just so moved, and I know it's a simple sermon, but just that card just really moved me that, you know what, this is how she can serve the kingdom of God. By encouraging others and just sweet, sweet woman. And I thought also to myself, how great will her reward be in heaven because of it? Cost of a card and a postage stamp, $3. But her heart poured into that is worth a great, great more. What could we do? What could we do for God? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. The wonderful, wonderful, manifold gifts of God that He's given to you and I that we could be stewards. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never been born again, had your sins forgiven, touched by the mercies of God. But you realize, you know what, I've been wasting my life just living for myself. For my pleasures, my desires, 
And you're realizing now that there's more to life than just simply pleasure and desires. It's, there's a God in heaven who loves you, sent His Son Jesus to die upon the cross for you, wants to touch your life. And if you're here this evening, you're not right with God, you're not saved, born again, it would be our privilege to pray for you and pray with you. And if that's you tonight, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, that's me. Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I'm not right with God. I need to get my heart right with God. Very quickly, slip up your hand. Pray for me. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God. You turned away. You want to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand very quickly. Put it right back down. Anyone at all. Changing the call then to Christians. It's easy to look at what we don't have. I understand that. But what do we have? What could we do for God? What could, what talents could we be using for God? As good stewards before the purposes of God. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars, allow people to find a place to pray. Talk to God. Let God use your life. The splendor of the King.
Let's thank Him tonight. Let's worship Him. Father, we love You, God. We praise You.